J-Lo. Yes. I really love the menthol smell. Oh, I'm glad. I'm surprised it turned some people off. It smells good, isn't it? It does. I mean, so, so, uh, when I get, when I've gotten sick, I've used a Vicks Vapor Rub, and that's an even stronger smell because there is a lot of menthol in it. I don't, I, I don't like the Vicks smell as much as I like the regular menthol. That when, makes any sense. Yeah. When you go to the doctor next month, yeah. are you going to talk to him about your hand? I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's going to be a woman. Really? Yeah. Why? Nice. That's good. Well, yeah. I mean, because, you know, if, if she has to do any invasive examinations, I really don't want it to be a guy. I don't want... I mean, I would prefer that another man not, you know, look at your vagina and... <sighs> Have we talked about Earthquake, the comedian here? Yeah. Oh, happy. Okay. I think we did. Oh, okay. I know you talked to to me about it. Yeah. But I really don't. I really don't feel comfortable being examined by a guy. I mean, I did get an examination by one male doctor, and it was it was a breast exam, but it was still weird. But you know they have to do that. You know. Yeah. I don't like it though. Now, I have given some breast exams, not just to you, but to other people. Oh, my goodness. And I could see where that would be uncomfortable yeah. for a woman. Yes, it would be. But it was very comfortable for me, oddly enough. Well, Bubs, you're a man. Yes. You're not a doctor. Okay. Then how was I able to give breast exams? Bubs! What? You, you pretended to be a doctor. You impersonated a doctor. Wasn't that a criminal thing? I did not impersonate a doctor, babes. Oh, my. I was asked to give breast exams, and I gave my pro- my professional opinion, and I made it clear that I'm actually not a doctor. So I didn't, like, say, <laughs> oh, th- I'm a doctor who just gave you a breast exam. I made it clear to the woman that, hey, I don't think you have anything, but you might want to go for a second opinion because I never went to medical school. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a little bit weird, but okay. Um, no, 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 I, no, I wanted to have a, a female doctor. Good. Because, yeah, as I've gotten older, it's like, no, I, or you know what you, well, you know what women have done before is if they had a, a male doctor and they had to give them an exam for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, a physical or whatever, they would, they could, um, ask for a female nurse to come in and, and stand by just to make sure that the woman felt comfortable. That makes sense. Cause I imagine there's a lot of pervs who happen to be doctors. Oh, I'm sure that there have been many doctors that have had, um, have been sued for malpractice and yeah, but there are doctors that are actually taking their job seriously. I don't think that the whole of the profession of the medical profession is, is perverted or anything. No. Um, but, but I, I would rather have a, a female doctor do it. I agree, babes. Yes. 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 Anyway. Anyways. Yeah. I was thinking about doing that. I mean, it's, it's getting better. It's a little by little, but I just want to make sure that everything is okay. And I don't actually have a tear. In my, um, in my ligament uh-huh. or tendon. Cause that happens. That's, that's what happens when you get strains or sprains. Yes. Yeah. Sprains, you get a tear in your ligament. Uh, uh, strains, you get a tear in your tendon. And I'm not sure which is worse. Ouch. Yeah, ouchy. Okay. Babes. Yeah. I think it is so interesting to me 
that Willie Nelson, a country singer, is open about being a pot smoker. Uh-huh. And is, it seems pretty lip from what I've heard. Yeah, I, I've heard that too. And I think that's cool that he bucks the trends. Yes. Now, you're maybe wondering why such a non sequitur. Yeah, why are you bringing this up? We're not going to get to the movies yet, but as a foreshadowing of that discussion, he was in the movie Thief. Yeah. He played the friends. Uh-huh. A question I have for you is, what do you think some of the best performances in film have been by musicians? The best performances? Yeah, by by non-actors, by by you know people who are typically associated with the music world. Um, okay, the one that comes to mind off the bat is remember when we saw World's Greatest Dad? Yes. And um, Bruce. Now I'm not really a Bruce Hornsby fan, but I will say that even though he made a small cameo and he was, uh performing his own rendition of his own song. It, that's just the way it is. That was pretty cool. But Actually, he did play himself in the movie. He did play himself, but even in that cameo, because some cameos are just like, you're, you, they're forgettable, right? I usually hate celebrity cameos in movies. Yeah. But if it works, it works. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it worked for him. Nice. Yeah, even if he did play himself. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Yes. And I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I... I, I, I do like The Wedding Singer. I'm a big fan of The Wedding Singer. And I did think it was kind of funny when uh, Billy Idol showed up on the plane. Oh, my goodness. But, but you like that celebrity cameo stuff a lot. I, I think I if it, I mean, like I said, if it works, it works. And it mm-hmm. worked for me, I think. I just think it was weird that they picked Billy Idol, though. Yes. Uh, they could have picked somebody else. But it was it was set in the 80s, you know. Even if it was filmed, even if it came out in 98, it was set in the 80s and it was supposed to be very 80-ish. So. Wasn't half of Friends episodes that have celebrity cameos on them? No. Okay. No, having having watched so many Friends episodes, no. Not, a lot, not half of it, no. Bernie Mac show was probably more than half. It was like every episode. I think you might be right about it. I used to watch it. I didn't watch all of the episodes, but I used to watch it. Yes. That's what turned me off. To I think show. Halle Berry was a guest star on there, right? Probably. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's like every episode you run into a celebrity. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, I think it was funny for what it was. I mean, I didn't think it was the funniest show, mm-hmm. but my my sisters and I liked it when we when it was on. It would have been better without that. I think. I can't believe he died so young. He's only fifty. Only fifty. Wow. And he, and it was like, was it from diabetes or? I think it was just a heart attack or a stroke. Wow. And he wasn't that old in the Bernie Mac show either. No. Bernard McCullough. That's his name. That's his yes. real name. I did not know that. Bernard McCullough. Yes. Yeah. It's too bad he's gone, babes. It is bad that he's gone. That's right. I heard that him and Steve Harvey really didn't get along too well. Wow. They had their own thing going on. Yeah. But who knows how much of that is true or sensational. It could. I mean, I you hear things about it. It is just about Steve Harvey, but you hear things about celebrities that, um, you know, people that have worked with them. But I wonder if that if half of it is, is just sensationalized and half of it is actually not. Well, supposedly, Steve Harvey's a really hard person to work for. 
That's that's all, always the thing I've heard is that he takes himself way too seriously, and he won't even let staff members of his talk show look him in the eye. There's all these weird rules that he has. Yeah, I don't know. I I I couldn't say. Yes. It's uh right now it's uh it's it's hearsay at the moment. It's not hearsay because I think one of his staff members released an email that he sent out to everybody on his crew a couple of years ago. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know, love. I don't get into that. Okay, goy. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure he's a great dad, and that's all that matters. Oh that. my goodness! <laughs> no, it doesn't. Okay. Well, good. We're on agreement. Oh jeez. Oh my goodness. Please. But then, but then, I mean, that also. But then, at the same time, something did come out about Ellen. Uh, yeah, and you know about that. I always had the theory that she's probably a horrible person to work for, even though she's given many things away. And I and and keep in mind, I haven't watched her show for years now. It's been a long time since I watched her show. I don't have any desire to watch it anymore. But uh, since she had her talk show over the years, she's given um, things away, and she's one of those like everybody deserves a trophy. When somebody is acting too nice, mm-hmm. to me, it comes across as they're trying to hide something. Very fake. Yeah. And so I, I was always under the assumption that she's probably a really mean person. But, but, but yeah, but if a person acts very mean, does that mean that they're, um, that they're actually nice? No. But here's the thing. There's a difference between acting mean all the time or acting like you can be nice and you're a nice person, but there's a little bit of an edge to you. Like, you, you you don't just put up with anything. Yeah, like, you can maybe not go on a tirade, yeah. but you can go off a little bit and put somebody in their place once in a while without just being, like, a dick all the time. Uh, Ellen has always been super squeaky clean. And uh-huh. that's what her public image has been. Uh-huh. And I'm always leery about people like that. Okay. You think, you, you like, like, you, like, if somebody says, okay, this person is actually like that, in real life because they've, they've actually uh, lived with them or they're, you know, that like they're a relative of theirs. Yeah. You would, you would find it more credible than just the press always says, Oh, Ellen, she's the nicest person ever to everybody. Well, why is the press saying that? Right. You know, it's probably because her publicist is releasing stories, you know, well, well, I mean, and the George W. Bush really, that thing with her and him really set, uh, I put a bad taste in my mouth. With her? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, and then, and then, um, you know, Rosie O'Donnell did the same thing. Okay. When I was, when, when I was about 15, 16 years old, that's when it started to get popular, her show. Mm-hmm. But I've been hearing some things even, you know, I've been hearing some things even after that she wasn't a very nice person. I remember hearing in the 90s that she was difficult to work with on that show. That's interesting. Yes. And she's supposed to, and then, and she, and her show is supposed to be G-rated. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there are some talk shows that are actually like that, uh, like their persona. Um, but Ellen and Rosie just, you know, you think about that and it's like, wow. Can you imagine, like, after the show is over, it's like, oh, no, we got to gird our lanes. Yep. This is what's going to happen. Hide in the hall. She's going to be upset. She's going to be very upset. She's going to be like, I shouldn't have done this episode. Horrible guests, you know, horrible audience. Um, you know, well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, I, I think, and then you think back to Lucy, um, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, right? They, they had a good family show. 
uh, I Love Lucy, right? And then everything went south when they got divorced. But they had supposedly these huge fights before the divorce, right? So Mm -hmm. they were hiding stuff too. They had pretended to have the perfect marriage Mm -hmm. on TV. I think things are coming out now where you get... You, you, you hear, uh, articles and stories about they thought they, we thought they had it all, but behind closed doors, it was a big old mess, mm-hmm. right? It was a hot mess. And I think things are coming out about people, like even within the self-help world, as we talked about in other episodes, or I think in the last one, one of the, a couple episodes before this, that it, you know, people don't always have their stuff together and, you know, I think we're look, we're all looking for, um, uh, genuineness and, uh, realness for lack of a better term. I believe too, that's one reason that people have such a hard time trusting the media mm-hmm. is because they say, you know, uh, insert celebrity name here is a perfect person until it turns out that they're not right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, I mean, we disagree on the vaccination. I think it's a good thing. You don't, Mm -mm. but even though I disagree with your stance, I believe one of the reasons people feel that way is because the media is telling them to take a vaccination and the media lies constantly about every single issue. I'm glad we agree on this. Yeah. They're always lying to us. They, they, they have been for, I mean, they have been, uh, for who knows how long. Forever, basically, as long as the media's existed. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't some true statements placed somewhere in their. I don't know that they've been lying forever. I think it's just changed over time. I think that it's been building and building and building, and then now it's starting to fall apart. I don't think that it's been like that forever. I think we're more aware of it now, but I think it's been going on. Well, in the era of uh, Walter Cronkite, right? Because Walter Cronkite, from what I understand, was probably the most honest journalist Mm -hmm. from what I've been hearing. Uh, Like he was, he really was the most, uh, from what I've been hearing from other people that work with him, he was one of the most, uh, if not the most honest journalist that we've had. Of my parents' generation. But... Of our parents' generation. And he's also a big liberal, too. Um, But besides for that, I'm sure he told told some lies early on. Um, He was... He was honest, but it's also on a bell curve, right? So it's like me... It's like saying, um, uh, this serial killer isn't that bad because they only killed three people and most of their contemporaries killed 10 or more people. Well, yeah, but you still killed three people. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure there were some lies even with him. I don't know. Uh, I think I have to disagree. Well, I mean, maybe he, maybe there was, but I don't, I, I just don't know about that. I think the media has always been lying to us. Doesn't mean that they don't occasionally say the truth, but it means that it's harder to find it because it's mixed in with so much, much fiction. I, I disagree slightly on that. I think that, that it was more honest when we were much younger, but into the mid to late nineties, that's when it just started to go downhill. I don't know, babes. I do think that it's gotten worse over time. But I, I believe that there's always been some. But then, how is there? How is it? How is it? I mean, 
we're we're only we're growing we're in a much younger generation than our parents uh-huh. and our grandparents. So how do we know that they've been if they at all have been lying to our grandparents okay. and parents? Let me give you uh, an example that's just off the top of my mind. You know that the Gulf of Tonkin incident never happened, but the media and the government use that as a pretense to invade Vietnam. The Gulf of Tonkin? Yeah. Tonkin? Tonkin incident never happened. What, what about the Gulf of Tonkin? It never happened. No, what is that? It's, uh, well, it's a fictional event. If I remember correctly, and I could have it a little bit wrong, there was a ship that was attacked, and they used that as a pretense to go into Vietnam and start the Vietnam War, but that never actually took place. The government just lied about it, and the media reported it as if it was true. Okay. That's interesting. How do you feel about it? So I I don't I don't know. I I never even heard about this until today. Oh. I I really haven't. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. What about the McCarthy hearings? The they didn't they didn't need to happen. Oh, about censorship? Yeah. This was back in what This uh, was like the late 40s, early 50s where people were blacklisted because of Senator McCarthy. And the only one who eventually, like, not the only one, but one of the few newsmen who po- really spoke out publicly against it was Edward R. Murrow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's another can of warm. Uh-oh. Uh, there's so much, there's so much, uh, so much connected to the, the monster that is the news media. Yes. So I, I, there's some things I just don't know how to answer. Oh. And yeah. everybody thinks that their source is correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, good. I don't know, Bubs. I don't know, babes. Mm-hmm. But I would make a great news commentator. Mm, I don't know, Bubs. I don't know. In some ways, babes, this is going to sound weird. I do wish I was conservative. Because I think it would be interesting to tune in to Fox News and hear some of the crazy shit I'd come up with. Well, Bubs, nobody's stopping you from being conservative. Oh. You're the one only stopping yourself, you know. No, well, you know what I mean. I, I do. Ah, stop. <laughs> I do some wild stuff. Ah! How? Sorry, babes. I was trying to tickle you. Mm, I was, uh, they're kind of hot, though. Oh, sorry, babes. I think. Mm. <laughs> hey, I just poked you. I didn't tickle you. Okay, babes. Oh, my goodness. That's what I did. I didn't tickle you. I just went like this. Okay, babes. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lightening up the mood, you book. I'm getting babes. a little too far into it. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe someday I'll go conservative and get a show on Fox News. And, you know. a, lot of conservative have, a lot of conservatives have left Fox. Oh. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff going on there even behind the scenes. You know what I would do if I was Trump? I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Here's what I would do. I would partner up with uh, like own or uh, what's the other one? Newsmax. I, I, I use one of those and I'd say, okay, we're going to partner up and I'm going to help run your business. And then I'd go to somebody like Tucker Carlson, who's always talking about the elites and rich people, even though he comes from a super rich family. How do you know that? He does. He's admitted it. He comes from the Swanson family. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. The Swanson family? Yes. Uh-uh. Yeah. He's super rich. He was super rich before he got into newscasting. But anyways, Uh, Our news commentary. And what I would do is I'd say, okay, you're going to join Newsmax. And since you're singing my praises, I'm only going to pay you a dollar a year. 
And I'd release that to the press and say, let's see where his loyalties land. It, well, let's see where Tucker Carlson's loyalties land. Is he going to stay with Fox where he makes millions of dollars? Or is he going to be loyal to us and come over I, and get paid? I personally yeah. think he should leave Fox, to be honest. I think Fox is is, is going downhill pretty fast. Mm. There's a lot of conservatives that used to be um, Fox News loyalists like myself. Uh-oh. But a bunch of them left. Uh-oh. A bunch of them left. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. A lot of people have been um, um, that he have either left or been fired. Uh, the, um, the Murdoch family has some things going on with them. I don't know. Uh, they're pretty know. shady. Um, they are, but they've always been that way. Well, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's come out, it's, it's come to light even more. And, um, they've, they've been, they've been, it's been building and building for a while. And, uh, I think it's, it's not going to be long until, uh, their demise. Well, good, but they sort of demised a long time ago. What? Stop, stop. <laughs> ah. 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 Sorry. That's I okay. just wanted to liven up the mood a little bit. That's okay, but you don't want to talk about politics or the media anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. We can change the subject. The, 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 if, 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 the, if, the Pils, if you asked the Pillsbury Doughboy, yes. he would say, <laughs> no. L- All right, let me ask you one more question. Ah. Do you like oh. my idea of Trump offering... Uh. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, no. Okay. All right, all right. We can drop it. We can drop it. <laughs> That's what I would do. But I'm insane. And this, you, you there's are, a reason I'm not a billionaire. Because I do crazy shit like you that. You are insane, and I have to be the one to not hear the end of it. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh, gee. What's something you want to talk about? I have no idea. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, We had some good food, didn't we? Yes. Tell me about that. We made, so the only complaint I would have about that is that the, um, asparagus that we put in our food, um, was a little bit crunchier than I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. I think it could have been a lot softer. Um, having said that, we did a, um, broccoli rice, kind of a broccoli, um, asparagus, um, what else we put in there? Broccoli and asparagus. And French onion soup. And French onion soup, uh, rice bake thing. It would have tasted a little bit more creamier with the cream of mushroom soup, but unfortunately, um, that was out of stock. There was a Walmart thing. And then we added a little bit of Parmesan cheese, um, which actually tastes, didn't taste too bad. I thought it tasted good in it because we really used good. the real stuff. We didn't okay. use, I mean, I'm sure somebody from Italy will say it wasn't real. It wasn't that real, yeah. But we didn't use the, uh, kind that comes pre shredded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, we flavored it with some salt and pepper and garlic, and um, it turned out really good. Yes. But I think I would have liked it if the asparagus was cooked a little bit longer. Oh. And it was so good with the broccoli. It was. Now, tonight, uh, we are going to make a teriyaki chicken. We're not going to use rice this time because I think we, I think when we're with each other, we, um, we do. We have cooked things with, with quite a bit of rice, but um, we decided that we're not going to do it with rice. But we are going to do it with um, broccoli and a little bit of the last of the asparagus and bell pepper. It's going to be good. Yeah, I'm very excited about that, babes. As am I. Yes. And then for dessert, we, we watched the movie, uh, our first movie. And then for dessert, we um, you bought a carrot cake because the red velvet cake, was unfortunately, was not available. Mm-hmm. 
And then we had that with the side of Fudge Tracks ice cream. On top of it. It was good. Really, really good. It was really good. It was it was rich because yeah. of the cream cheese frosting, but it was so worth it. I might have to make that at home. The carrot cake? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yes. Please. I even like the little, um, the plump raisins in there. They weren't bad. I'm weren't usually bad not a raisin person, but I, I it like, was okay. I like raisins if it fits whatever uh, dessert it's in. Like I don't I I don't like um I don't really like oat bran muffins with raisins in it cuz I don't like oat bran muffins at all. Um Yeah, I I don't like this trend of mixing dessert with healthy stuff. Yeah, but but raisins, I mean, and I like I like uh chocolate covered raisins because they do go together, I think to, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Cadbury bars have raisins in them. That's but okay. They work. I think that's something more that older people should do. Bubs. What? Well, what about trail mix? There's raisins in trail mix. I do like trail But I don't consider trail mix a dessert as much as it's a, snack. a snack. Yeah, there's a difference in my mind. A snack can be healthier. A dessert, I want to go all out. Let's oh. concern the doctors. You know. I would have liked... So this carrot cake didn't have nuts in it. I would have liked it to have a little bit... Um, would have uh, nuts in it more than raisins. But that's just me. Luckily, I, I still have some nuts. Uh, <laughs> just having fun with you, babes. Wah, wah, wah. I am continually continuing to read my book on, or listen to the audio, rather, on William S. Paley. Mm. Super interesting. Now we're up to the 80s. Oh, wow. And... He is still on the board of CBS, but he's no longer running things. Mm-hmm. He was kind of ousted from that because he was not doing the best job. I'm thinking about listening to my uh, book this afternoon. Well, good. I'm thinking. What am I going to do? Listen to yours. Oh. We could have like an hour of reading time. We could do that. Maybe after this. You should, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe an hour of reading time. Because I, I, I mean, because um, I've been wanting to get to my book and... Uh, when I'm, when I go to sleep at night, I don't always get to cause I'm so tired. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, maybe we should have an hour of reading time. Uh, and then, uh, maybe watch about, uh, the civil war stuff. I like that, babes. What do you think? I, I like that. I think that, and you interrupt me a lot, but that's okay. What? Cause I was still talking. Just oh, like, uh, well, I was, I was saying something about William S. Paley and I was thinking, he, okay. and you're like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm sorry, bub. I, I, you have interrupted me before too. <laughs> Bubs, I'm just saying, Bubs, if you're going to say that I do, then I'm going to say that you do also. But who does it more, do you think? You do. <laughs> really? Yes, no. you do. Go on. Yes, you do, Go Bubs. On. That's not true, and you know it. Yes, you do. You do it a lot. No, I don't. Yeah. I haven't done it lately, Bubs, except for now. You just did it. You literally just did it. Ah! <laughs> All right, give me a kiss. No. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I want one, and you want to give me one. I love you, babes. I love you, I truly One of the things that uh, Paley did in uh-huh. the early 1980s was he launched a cable network uh-huh. that was more arts-oriented. What was it? I think it was called the Entertainment Network. So, something oh, weird e? like that. The no. That now is e? No, no, no. So listen to the story, babes. All right, I'm sorry. And they were producing a lot of highbrow programming. Uh-huh. So the thing lost, 
millions of dollars, mm -hmm. a lot more than they were originally anticipating. After about a year and a half, they sold it off and Disney bought it. It, it eventually became A&E. Oh, why didn't they They merged that? it with um, the arts channel that they had. Yeah. And, and At least according to the book. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, mm -hmm. that's so interesting because we've talked about the A&E programs that we both like. Or at least we did back in the day. Yeah. Now it's just reality television. It's ridiculous, I know. Yeah. Yeah. American Justice. Well, I loved American Justice. I did too. I did too. It was like a real, a real mis uh, crime mystery show. But, you know, I don't need another channel that's just reality TV. I know. Yeah. I understand. It's like. They do the same. They do lockdown, lockup. No, that was MSNBC. Oh, yeah. That, I, that was back in like the. Early two uh, thousands, early to mid two thousands. I used to watch it on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. That was very interesting. Yeah, there's also room for highbrow TV too. It doesn't all have to be the lowest common denominator. I mean, I like some lowbrow stuff, but mix it up a little. Like bit. how highbrow are you talking about, Bush? As highbrow as you want. You know, have uh, telecasts of opera if you want. Yeah. You know. I or in you know what I really love, babes, mm -hmm. is C-SPAN on the weekends. I think it is it C-SPAN or uh, no C-SPAN two does forty eight hours of book discussions wow. where they'll interview different uh, authors. They'll have panel groups. Oh, I never, I didn't know that. Yeah, huh. they've been doing it for decades now, and that hardly anybody it. talks about it. And I watch it sometimes. Wow. Yeah. I um. Yeah, I liked those shows. I think um, Bill Curtis did narrate for um, for lockup and or locked up. No, and you did who? I don't know who it was, but it definitely wasn't him. And it was interesting because hearing about uh, women and men going to their parole board hearings and, and hearing that they got rejected, it's kind of interesting. I think I know what you're thinking of, babes, but, because he would do narration for some documentaries that were on A and E during the. Yeah. And a few of those concentrated on inmates. Yes, they did. But he didn't work for MSNBC at the time. Okay. I wish, they had, I wish they brought back that program because that's the only reason why I watched MSNBC was for that. Oh, my goodness. Otherwise, I didn't care. And then sometimes they would have, um, sometimes they would have 48 hours hard evidence or um, 48 hours... Um, uh, no, no, 48 hours hard evidence or another another 48 hours something. Or 48 hours later. Later? Yeah. <laughs> 48 hours after yesterday. Yes. What highbrow entertainment do you like, babes? Mm. Playing with your box. Stuff in. <clears throat> you know, um, hmm, that is a good question. A lot of times when I watch TV, I don't want to. I don't want to be what would what you would call educated. Okay. In some ways, but there are some things on um, PBS. Like, uh, I think there was one time where I used to watch a little bit of Nova. Nova's good. And uh, there was another show that I didn't. I heard about, but I didn't watch. I think it was called Newton's Apple. Okay. Or something like that. Um, I heard about the McNeil, uh, McNeil, uh, Lara NewsHour or whatever. Yes. And they're both gone from that show now. Okay. Who is McNeil? He was one of the co-hosts 
and then there was Jim Lehrer. I think it was, was it Bill McNeil and Jim Lehrer? Uh-huh. McNeil left first and he left back in, I want to say the nineties mm-hmm. and Jim Lehrer stayed on until like 2010. Mm-hmm. I want roughly around that time. And then he left and they still have the news hour. It's yeah. a little bit more right wing than it used to be, but it's still good. Okay. Yes. I don't know. PBS is a pretty leftist, uh, from what I understand. They are. They guy. are pretty leftist, but their newscast is, is more right than it was. Oh, really? Right leaning, not more correct. Oh, it probably is more correct. Oh, I doubt it, babes. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some things that I would watch on PBS that was, um, somewhat highbrow. Um, um, <clears throat> uh, and then lately, if I was watching with my family, I don't know if you call it highbrow, but this is what women like to watch is like um, stuff on um, HGTV about um, fixing up homes, uh, buying homes. Uh, there was a there was a show called Trading Spaces. That sounds very reality. Questionable. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, stuff like uh, home remodeling. I don't know. It's. I would not consider that. Stuff but I mean, it's. Okay, okay, I wasn't asking for your opinion. Okay, you wanted my opinion. You said, I don't know. So I thought that was my honest question. But keep going, babes. Mm. <laughs> keep going. Okay, it's not high. I, I don't believe it would be highbrow to you. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Because a lot of times when I watch TV, I don't want to be, I don't want to watch something mm-hmm. necessarily educational. If that makes any sense. I hear you. I, you know, it's it's not called the boob tube for nothing. What highbrow entertainment do you like? Well, being that I've been out of the loop of mainstream entertainment, I have no idea. Oh. I, I can't say for certain right now what I would like. Nice. What would you say for you uh, right now? I read a lot of books. I hosted or co-hosted a thing on chamber music a couple of days ago. Okay. But I mean, I guess you could say that was kind of work, even though I didn't get paid for it. Yeah. But what I mean is, um, highbrow entertainment that you're not a part of. That I'm not a part of? Yes. Cause that's what I thought you were talking about. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. I prefer to focus on you and what you could be doing better. No. Um, hey. No, no, I'm just joking. Well, I guess if you think I, of highbrow entertainment, I like watching, um, I like watching documentaries on, on YouTube and stuff. I like watching documentaries, but that can be a loaded term because there are some that are done very well. And then there's a lot of poor quality documentaries where you can see the filmmakers influence mm. and their bias. Uh, I do like a lot of movies that are considered more high quality art house stuff, mm. but I also like, I like lowbrow. I'm just saying that there should be a mix. There, I remember on PBS, there used to be something called PBS. I think it's called either on PBS or HBO, but it was called like, um, something Playhouse, PBS Playhouse or mm. something. It, it was showing all these like old, like theatrical stuff, but I never watched it. I don't know what it's called. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. Well, I'm happy, babes. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, yes. Like, that's white babes. That's white. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of people who focus way too much on lowbrow entertainment. In I mean, country. the lowest you can get, you know. Yeah. Very low, but but at the same time, it's like if I'm watching TV, I don't really want to. Um, 
I don't really want to be educated. I don't want to think. Mm-hmm. Because that would require too much of my brain. I don't know. And you can't really watch that many news programs in this country because most of them really suck, with a couple of exceptions. Yeah. Um, in more ways than one. Um, oh, my goodness. When are we going to do another news exchange? Babes? I don't know. But it's up to you because I said I'm willing to do it pretty much any time. I know. I know. Uh-oh. There's a couple of ideas I have for you. I, I gonna, know what I want to do. But there are going to be some things that you probably would be like, huh? I don't understand. Um, because there might be some terms that you're not familiar with. Uh-oh. Yeah. But, I mean, if we do this, it's challenging us to think outside the box or to at least examine why why people would listen to it. Yeah. I'm thinking the damage report would be good for you because it, they have a lot of news stories, but they make it kind of fun. Hmm. There was there was one source that was one of those sources that are kind of like um, funny satires of news things, and there's a I think there's it's called the Babylon Bee. I've never even heard, heard of it? it. No, I gotta look that up. I don't. I have to see what website it is, but they but they make it funny. Some of it isn't real, mm-hmm. but they make it like a satire of news programming. <laughs> it's called the Babylon Bee. Who was that mofo on um, PBS who used to come out and do those weird songs? And it was like political satire. Weird songs? Yeah, there was some dude who would do that like on Friday nights. At least I, that's when I would see it. I have no idea what you're talking about because I didn't watch... PBS late at night either. This wasn't late at night. This was maybe at like seven or Ooh. six. Some mofo, and this was maybe late nineties through part of the two thousands. What? Give me a song that you're thinking about. I'm not thinking of a particular song because they all kind of sucked. Right. They're then in kind of like the ragtime style. He would play a piano in front of a crowd. A crowd. A crowd. Yeah. I- you're not talking about Tom Lair, because we like Tom we, Lair. I, we like Tom Lair in this place. I We're pro-Tom Lair household. Pro-Tom Lair. Yes. Who is definitely not politically correct. <laughs> no, no, no. This is some different guy. I have no idea who that is, but I'm sorry. I okay. That's okay. It probably is good that I don't. Yes. It's probably really bad. I don't know about that, babes. I, I I, listen, I shouldn't say that, but... Was he playing the piano? Yeah, I just said that. Uh, okay. I did not dig the music that much. Okay. I yes. I have no idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm happy, babes. Okay. 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 Yeah. And we need to do a book exchange, too, where I give you something to read and you do the same with me. Oh, goodness. Oh, badness. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But we'll get there someday. I'm at the point in the book where Larry Tish has just become, I think, the acting chairman of CBS. Mm -hmm. Yes. Acting chairman. Because he was trying to buy a lot of CBS stock and take it over, do a hostile takeover. And William Paley was kind of on his side. Mm Mm-hmm. But by that time, he he was on the board of CBS, William Paley, but he was no longer really running things. Okay. So he felt his influence going away. Um, he was a bit of an asshole, William Paley. At least that's the way the book makes him seem. Well, he pretty much um, 
described him in the last episode as somebody that was really hard to work with and didn't, uh, you know, play guessing games and all that. Spoiled rich kid. Yeah, and uh, had affairs on his wives. Yep. And it, everybody else knew about it. I think even his wives knew. Yeah. Why would I? Uh, yeah. I know. Yes. That's always interesting to me, the idea of the open relationship. Where, and I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying that I don't think it would work for me. But where you're allowed to go and see other people and then just come back to the relationship. I don't get that. I don't either. I mean, it's so foreign to me. I just would not put up with it. Mm. I just could not handle it, especially since I myself was cheated on and I've seen it in my own family. You were not cheated on by me. Let's clarify that. No, not by you. Good. Somebody else that will not be named, who's um, who is uh, I is far, far, far from my mind. Good. Far from my mind. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. If you if you vow to, um, to be with somebody forever, and you do it in front of people, or maybe it's in front of a judge, but then you say you you give, um permission for your wife or your husband to see other people and they could be bringing back other stuff. I don't get it. The whole polyamory world is a little bit strange to me. Yeah, like the but, the, the nesting partner. Yeah, the nesting partner stuff. And then there's all these weird terms. But if it works for people, then it works for them. I don't know that it does work for them. I think it's a facade. Honestly. Yeah, well, you already know my take that a lot of it is these people who are raised in conservative Christian households, and this is their way of pushing back. But in doing so, all they're doing is developing another form of hierarchy where they have all these restrictive rules, but they think that just because they can have sex with different people, that it's not a form of oppression, but their oppression takes many different forms. Uh, I had to slightly disagree with you on that. Okay. I don't know if it's for hierarchy. I think the women do it. And this is just my opinion. The women do it for because they think it's so empowering. That's what I think. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is they're developing another form of hierarchy. For themselves. Is that yeah, what you mean? yeah, they're leaving. They're leaving what they've known. They're leaving what they've known, which is being oppressed and having to deal with all these rules. And they're going in another situation to where they're creating all these rules and saying that they're not oppressed and they're goddesses. But meanwhile, you have so many rules and regulations that it, it, it creates this weird hierarchy, in my opinion. Hmm. From what I've seen. Okay. And I've not... I've never been a swing. Uh, I almost said swinger. I know that can be a triggering word. I've never been. Why? I don't know. Because I've never been in the polyamory community in the sense that I've, you know, been in an open relationship, but I've known plenty of people and they always have these weird rules and terms. And I'm sure that's just me that I'm not cool because I'm sure I don't. There's, oh, I'm sure that there are people. Well, yeah, you're right. I think you're, I think I've heard interviews with, Couples that have decided to go into the swingers lifestyle, right? Yeah. Either the swingers lifestyle or polyamory, but all it is is just like a whole ball of confusion. And then, you know, and it, and they make it, I don't know. I mean, the whole open relationship thing, I think, is a big joke. I honestly do. What happens, babes? Yeah. If we break up in a couple of years, I go about my life. And you start dating a Christian who is also openly polyamorous. 
and then you start hosting a like a Christian radio show where you talk about the Bible and how you're allowed to have multiple partners. That I'm allowed? Yeah, and your husband's allowed to, or your boyfriend, or whoever is you at the time. Huh? Whoever you're with at the time is also allowed that. Uh, first off, that's really, really weird that I would ever have a show like that. Mm. And it that that part is just so foreign to me that I would hope that I would be um uh, broken up with whoever it was that did that to me and not not marry the person. You don't think you'll ever get into the polyamory? No, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's a big joke. Yes, I think it's a big joke. It's just, it's just uh, um, an attempt at being free when they're really not free. Yes, that's how I see it. I think they're they're in bondage to whatever it is. And I'm sure whoever is listening to this. They're the one person who it works completely for them, and they're not uh, encumbered with all these rules. But for the most part, but when but when it turns when it turns out that the person who's involved with them in the polyamory says, "I'm not going to do this anymore," then it changes. Yeah, you know, I am tired of this. I think it's ridiculous. I'm going to be monogamous because I don't like this. And one thing I've noticed too, babes, is a lot of people in the polyamory uh, world will say something to the effect, well, yeah, but you know all these Christian couples who are unhappy. And my personal response to that, and I, I never say this, but you know that I like to go into poly. I'm part of some polyamory groups. Yeah. But and I know that sounds weird because I'm not in that world. But I, I know. That's why That's why I got upset with you. I'm like, I can't believe you actually went in that room when you're not even one of them. But at least I'm honest and say that, oh, I, I, I belong to these groups. But... The one thing I think to myself is, okay, so just because there's miserable people in the conservative Christian community means that you're, you should be miserable too. Well, here's the thing though. Here's, Go ahead. here's what I say about this. Okay. Yes, there are Christian couples that, um, are not, uh, doing well, but there's a lot of couples that are not doing well anyway. And instead of, of looking for something outside of your marriage, and I'm guessing they're ta- we're talking about marriages here. Mm-hmm. Why not find? Why, why aren't couples talking about ways that will um, be good for the the um, for their marriage instead of trying to um, trying to hide things? So I think it all starts with, well, I'm not happy, so I'm going to look for something that is that I think is greener, but what they're doing is it's such a facade because what they're doing is they're taking their problems in their marriage and they're inviting more problems by inviting themselves into other people's beds or other people's lives. And what it's doing is, and then, and then if your husband, if the the woman's husband is involved in it, it creates even more problems. They're not doing, they're not dealing with their problems they're inviting more problems in. And I think it's a, it's a real problem, not just with Christian couples, but with other couples. It's just, it's the fact that the person who's doing all this polyamory and, and cheating in general and pornography that might be involved in it, it, they're just not happy with what's going on with them. I think it's, uh, it's much deeper than, oh, I want to find somebody that will satisfy me because you're not satisfying me. Now, having just spent... 10 minutes or however long it was yeah. shitting on polyamory people. I should also say that I know somebody who is a very, very, very conservative Christian, not you and nobody who, you know, mm-hmm. or no one I've met, no one you've met. 
Um, but I know somebody who's super conservative and super Christian and will always talk about, oh, Jesus is the greatest. It's Trump and Jesus, Trump and Jesus. They're the greatest. And, and our country is going to hell in a hat and basket and kids don't have any manners today. And Obama's not a U.S. citizen and they cheat on their wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're, you know, so but there, it does but go I will, both ways. But I will say this, though. There are phony baloney Christians out there. There's a lot of now, them. Now, having, you know, and I, um, and I know that there are other Christians that have critiqued uh, so-called Christians in, uh, well, why would you believe this? And then you go ahead and you, you do this to your wife. Mm-hmm. Um I think that there, uh, there's something deeper going. I mean, and I don't know this person. Okay. I can only give my opinion as an outsider learning about this. Um, I would, I would really, um, challenge this person if I ever met them to, to really look at themselves and say, well, why are, why are you, um, why do you have this persona in public, but yet you do, um, you hurt your wife all the time by doing this. So here's a question I have for you. All right. Um, there is, we talked about fake Christians or phony Christians. Oh yeah. I've, I've, and, I've yep. And the polyamory community. Yes. And also recently about people in the self-help world. Yes. And, Part of me thinks, oh, this is just, you know, weird people are attracted to this type of thing. Mm -hmm. But another part of me thinks we're all phony on some level. And how do we learn to deal with that? Right. So is it so much that there's phony Christians or fake polyamory people? Or is it that everybody's fake and we're all just lying to ourselves and to the greater world? I don't know that everybody's fake. I think that a lot of us strive to be genuine but there are people that just don't know how to be genuine mm. if that makes any sense it does i think that there are people that are actually real and that's how they that's how they they you know they want to be consistent and it's a it's an ongoing battle okay i'm not going to say that i'm perfect at it but i'd like to say that i i i strive to be um better at it every day but there are people that really don't know how to be genuine because they don't either they don't want to or they just don't know how if that makes any sense i hear you i think it's in our nature to be a little bit fake and also to follow something well this is a part of um this is a part of our uh, but keep going oh never mind no no keep going and then i'll follow up no no you finish it okay it's like so i'm not a conservative christian as you know i'm a very liberal agnostic, but I see the appeal for people to believe in something like Jesus, because it's a way to where you can take the burden off you and say, well, I got to follow this, this, uh, deity. Right. And then I also see the appeal of people who want to follow politicians and not just Trump. You could take the adverse and say the people who are diehard Joe Biden fans, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the idea of you're letting somebody else make the big decisions with your life. So if you follow Jesus, well, all I have to do is 
follow what's in the Bible and I don't have to think for myself. If I follow Joe Biden or Trump, all I have to do is worry about what they're telling me to do. And I don't have to put a lot of thought into it. Versus if you don't have someone to follow, it's a little bit more mental work. Because you have to figure out what's right for you. Okay. And that's a very simplistic take on it because there's nuance. There's people who believe in Jesus and also have their own way of looking at the world. So they can believe in Jesus and be more liberal or there's Trump supporters who, uh, you know, don't always believe in everything he says. So it's, it's a simplistic take, but I, I, that's my overall view of it is that we as humans like to believe in something we're designed that way. Um, we are designed that way as far as uh, following things, but I think it's also a part of our sinful, sinful nature as well. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm getting I'm getting a little bit spiritual here. So maybe, babes, well, what I, I what I'm hearing. You, me. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, Dubs, okay. All right, go ahead. You're getting on me for interrupting me. You just did. Okay. Oh, give me a kiss then. Then I'll, no. uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I want one. No. Yeah, I want. Why one. do you do it every time you think I'm getting heated? Okay, give me a kiss because I want to cool you down. No. Give me a kiss. No. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Why? Because you want to kiss too. All right, babes, go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, it, coming from another perspective, I think that's a part of our own. Uh sinful nature because we want to pull back um if that makes any sense we want to go our own way because we think our own way is is correct Mm -hmm. and um I, i would have to slightly agree about um people that um follow Jesus, but what a lot of people don't, what, what a lot of people have done is say, well, oh yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. Sure. But what they've done, what some people have done, and this is where I come, this is where the fake Christian thing comes up. What they've done is they'll say that they're a follower, but they're, but they'll still go their own way, which is, is contrary. Um, and, uh, and uh, what were you saying about the appeal of people that, that were not, so spiritual? Well, what I was saying is it could take the form of Jesus, but it could also take the form of politicians like Trump or Biden to where you believe whatever this person is saying is the gospel truth. And therefore, you don't have to think for your own. The only thought you have to have is what is Joe Biden telling me to do this week and then follow that or vice versa. What is Trump saying I need to do? Yeah, it's a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I can separate that because uh, a politician like Trump is just a human to me. Yeah. And it's like, I I thought you were that way with Trump, but he says, take the vaccine and you don't believe in it. So no, no. I mean, if he did, I I never heard that, but I can actually play the tape. Ah! (laughs) Stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Let me ask you a question, Uh, babes. No, no. Okay. Real quick. If I played you, tape of trump saying i recommend that people get the vaccine would you get it no okay no i wouldn't i mean it, it's one thing if somebody encourages somebody to get it without saying oh you don't you would without saying you need to get it mm-hmm. okay um and i know that both of us are not biden fans 
No. But that's different from somebody saying, you have to get it if you, um, say, like, if somebody says, you have to get it for the, for the greater good of our country or whatever, if you want to save people's lives. And that, that really, that really plays on people's emotions. No, I hate Joe Biden. Yeah. But I do agree with him on that. No. That, that sounds like forcing. It doesn't sound like encouraging. It doesn't oh. sound like recommending it. That sounds like you have to get it because if you're not, you're a murderer. Oh I mean, and, and I don't agree with it. Oh my goodness. That's what I mean. Why well, so? There's like a, there's a difference there. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, I think we've, I think we've kind of run this into a, a down a rabbit hole. Don't follow anybody. Do your own thing. Come to your own conclusions. Read books from a wide variety of authors. Uh, Listen to a wide variety of perspectives. And make up your own mind issue by issue. 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 You're allowed to have diversity in thought and opinion. And that means real diversity. That doesn't mean following everything that one person says. And saying, well, because they have differing views and I follow everything they say that makes my opinion diverse. Well, if you, and if you, well, I mean, here's, and, and like I've said, I mean, if you find something to critique somebody on, then feel free to critique them on it. Even if you do agree with most of what they say. Exactly. Exactly. Um, don't just, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. No, take everything. With I mean, I'm sorry. Salt. Wait, 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 wait. I, I get confused with these two sayings uh there's one about take everything take things at face value which is different than taking everything with a grain don't of salt. take everything at face, at face value. value no take it with a, grain, a grain of salt. salt realize politicians lie all of them and government and as a result government lies and the media lies so just keep that in mind but they don't lie all the time they'll mix it in with a little bit of truth so that's that's our fun advice for today oh my goodness yes. Listen to the liars and determine when they're not, when they're telling the truth to the best of your abilities, and realize that half of the time you're still going to get it wrong. Yes. Oh goodness. Was that a good summation of that, babes? I guess. Now, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get to the movies? No, but I do have, I have a, I do have a dream that I want to talk about later on. I it do was, too. It was a weird dream, and you know mine. Yes, I do. Yes. Unfortunately, no, I'm kidding. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my goodness. Oh my badness. Badness. Okay. Let's talk about a movie starring Jim Belushi, early film of his, uh-huh. and Willie Nelson. And uh, James Conn. James Conn. And I don't know who the lady is. Tuesday Welds. T- Tuesday Welds. That's her name. That's her name. That played, uh, what's her, what, yeah, what, whatever her name was, I can't remember. Jesse's Jessica, something like that. I don't know who that is. Might be Jesse. And the movie is called Thief. Yeah. When it starts off, James Conn is pulling a heist. He gets away with it. And we find out that he may be a thief by night, but during the day, he runs a car dealership. Right. Goes to this restaurant, meets up with a friend of his. And asks out the hostess. I get the impression that they've been seeing each other for a little while. Really? But he yeah. wants to make it he wants to make it official. He's he's excited to see her that night. Okay. Goes to see our man Jim Belushi, 
and he hears that a guy that was entrusted with some of James Conn's money, I believe James Conn's name is Frank in this movie, guy who was entrusted with Frank's dough, jumped out a window and is dead. So they go to, I'm assuming, where the body is held, Mm -hmm. go into the back office, and James Conn holds a gun on the owner and says, listen... You may not have known who this $185,000 belongs to, but it's to me. I'll give you three hours. Then I'm going to meet you. You're going to hand me over the money, and we're going to go about our way. So they meet that night, and another man is there. Says, I've been watching your work. I know who you are, and I want you to work for me. And there are going to be some benefits. You're going to know how much money you're getting paid immediately. And we're going to provide you with protection. So if you're ever in trouble with the law, we can get you out of that. Uh-huh. James Kahn agrees to think about it. He leaves and is a couple hours late for his date. Very late. They get into a little bit of an argument. She leaves with him. And because James Kahn is in love with her, he says the truth yeah. about his life, that he was in prison that he's a thief, but he wants to get out of this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. We find out that this lady had a past as well. Somebody who kind of like, you know, put her out on the street. She didn't live a normal life, and she's just recently started to fall into regular society. And um, she had a, a a husband for a while. Who's now dead. Who's now dead. And we should also say that earlier in the movie, uh, Frank visited Willie Nelson in the... Slammer in the slammer, and he is dying. Yes, which will come up later in the movie. Yeah, okay. So, after the dinner, Frank calls the guy that he met earlier that night and says, I want to do one job and then I'm out. They end up staking out this place that has four million dollars in diamonds. Mm -hmm. Frank's take is going to be something like a hundred. $830,000. Mm -hmm. He already has some money socked away, and this is 1981. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's thinking, this is one big heist, and then I'm done. Okay. Goes about his way, planning the heist. During this time period, him and I think her name is Jessie, they get married. Yeah. And she wants a kid, but can't have children. Right. The adoption agency turns them down. Frank is also being followed by the cops. Mm -hmm. One of them says, hey, we want a piece of your action. Give us 10%. He says, no. Mm -hmm. He goes to the guy who hired him to do the job. And Frank has a bug Mm -hmm. that was placed on his car and says, hey, you're getting me into some crazy stuff. I wasn't dealing with these problems before you. And the guy says, calm down. Mm -hmm. He also says, I know you and the wife want a kid. I can arrange that for you. So they agreed that... um, this boss is going to buy them a baby. Okay. Right. She's kind of strange. Kind of strange. Willie Nelson dies. Mm-hmm. And then they get their kid who they decide to name David. Right. And, and he's given to them in the hospital, right? No, he's not. No. They go to a house. Oh. And some lady comes out with a baby and gives it to what's her face. And they go off to a diner and name him David. Is that the, is that the, um, the mob boss's uh, wife? I don't know. Okay, that's a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird. But roll with me, J-Lo. Yeah. James Kahn does the heist with Jim Belusi. They get the money, or the diamonds, give it to mm-hmm. the boss, 
and they go off on vacation. They're excited. Return home. Frank goes to get his money. Supposed to be like 830K. He ends up getting like 80 or 90,000. Which is much, 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 much smaller. Yes. The boss said, Hey, I invested this money. Uh, you know, I, you know, this is good. Uh, you're going to make, uh, money with me and you're going to be part of the family. And Alana's playing with her box again. Yeah. Go on, go on. Don't, don't worry about what I'm doing. Khan tells them, you have 24 hours to come up with my money. Mm -hmm. And he pulls out a gun and he leaves. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now Khan has been avoiding the cops. At one point he put their tracking device on a bus. Assuming it was Greyhound that was heading to Des Moines, Iowa. And the movie takes place in, I want to say, California. So it was a great distraction. But riding around town, goes to his car a lot. Jim Belushi gets killed. The mob boss beats him up. And I can still hear those sounds from Alana. Yes. What are you doing, babes? Oh, I'm just just arranging something in this box. Oh, my goodness. Right now? Yeah. Yeah. Right now. It's okay, it's okay. It's okay, no one will notice. Oh my goodness. So, after the boss kills Belushi, he kind of beats up James Conn and says, Hey, you owe me everything. Mm -hmm. You're renting that baby. Your wife can be turned down on the street. I can ruin your life. And, you know, clean up this mess and Mm -hmm. we'll talk in a day or two. But you're basically working for me until you're dead or you're in jail. Yeah. He goes home, gives the wife all the money he has, and says, mm-hmm. take the baby and go. Yeah. She leaves the house. He blows it up. Goes up and blows up his, his car lot. Sneaks into the boss's house. Ends up killing him One uh, in two of his guards. He's shot, but I think he has on a bulletproof vest. And the movie ends with him walking away from the crime scene. Wow. Bleeding. But alive. But alive. Originally, when we saw this film, I gave it an eight. Because mm-hmm. it was really good. But Alana made some interesting points. Yeah, I did. And after thinking <laughs> about it, I think I'd give it a seven. It's still good. It's still worth seeing. But there's a few issues with it. And I gave it a six and a half. Right. Tell but, your version of the movie. What didn't you like? Well, there was a lot of things that I... And this is one of those rare occasions where I actually thought like Rick. And normally I wouldn't. <laughs> Your life would be better if you did that more. But keep going. Oh, yo, yo, go ahead. Anyway, anyway, um, so what I didn't understand is one of the things I didn't get is when he picks up the hostess because I don't understand why she would leave with him after he was like two hours late. I wouldn't have. Because I thought she was going to be like, no, 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 we're not going to go out. You, you've ruined our date. This is, it's too late now. No. Why did he go with, why did she go with him, with him? Um, I don't understand why she would start a romance with this guy because he's got a criminal history and she just liked her life the way it was. Um, I, and then why would they, want to have a kid especially uh now when he's still in the business of um burglary and uh you know i understand why that woman would be very hesitant to give them a kid 
At the adoption yes. agency. Yes, I absolutely understand. Uh, yes, I got that completely. Yeah. Uh, so why would he get upset? Um, and then, um, oh, how, I mean, and then, and then the, the, the thing I didn't also believe was the, the boss giving, we don't know how he got the baby. He says how he got it. What? He says that he knows a lot of women who are drug addicted and pregnant. Mm-hmm. So he pays them off oh. for the kids. Oh, oh, okay, okay. He said that in the bar scene. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I might miss that part. Yes. Um, but then, I mean, you know, how the baby comes into their life is kind of strange. Um, and then I, and I brought up the, I brought up the the reason as to why he would blow up his house and then blow up his car lot. I completely you, bought into that. And then you told me why, but I still didn't get it. Okay, can I run down your list? And then I also didn't understand why he would just um, uh, tell the woman to leave him, uh, tell the woman to leave with the baby and never come back. Can I run down your list of complaints? Okay. Okay. She waits two hours when she's at a bar having a good time. So it's not just like she's, you know, in a restaurant meditating in the bathroom or something, right? She's actually, right. Well, (laughs) a lot of people would. She's enjoying the music and she also likes bad boys. We get the sense of this because she's talking with him at the diner scene about her lifestyle before she worked, right? Mm -hmm. That she was, you know, out on the street. Her husband was a little bit crazy. So she has, she's been involved with the underworld before. She likes on some level that James Kahn isn't completely reliable. So I, I completely bought into that. I bought into him telling her about his life because he's in love with her. Um, I bought into them wanting a family because they're both narcissists and narcissists think that they could raise the best children. Mm-hmm. Right now, also, you said something very interesting, which is a, a half truth, half truth. You said, well, why would they want a kid when he's still a burglar? Right. He's still in a, that type of stuff. He's mm-hmm. still in the ceiling. Yes. But if you remember, this was supposed to be his last job. He was going to do this one thing and then get out of the business and go legit. So it's not like he was planning to still, like keep robbing until the kid was 19. He's planning to do this last job and then get mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. The boss, I believe he would have connections to get them a kid because money talks. And he, it was explained in the movie too, at least enough to where I was satisfied. Mm-hmm. Okay. I buy into him and telling her to leave because he doesn't want her or the baby to get killed. Remember James Conn was just threatened by his boss and Jim Belushi was killed in front of him. Right. So he, he knows that this guy needs business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Blowing up his house and blowing up the parking lot. What that does, my dear, is it makes it seem like the mob. I'm assuming he's a mob boss. It's, I, it I don't believe like it's it. ever said, but I mm-hmm. believe that's what he was. Like the boss had him killed. Now, why that is important is because it sets a blatant act that there has to be some sort of investigation and it's likely to come back to his boss, which is going to put a lot of heat on him. So in case he can't kill uh, the villain of this movie, there's still going to be repercussions. And it's also going to make it look like James Conn and his family died. So the police who were fooled by his little ruse with the bus going to Iowa mm-hmm. won't be able to come after him because they already think that he's dead. 
So, movies need reality, but this film, it was believable to me. I believed it. Okay. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it's a perfect movie. There's definitely some issues with it. Um, but overall, I thought it was really good. Okay. Yes. Can I ask you some questions about characters? All right. All right. What does James Kahn teach us about getting in too deep <laughs> with the wrong crowd? Uh, well... I think, I mean, I don't, we don't know how he came to the decision as to, um, why he should, he wanted to be a thief. We actually do. He talks do? about it. Does he? Yes. In the diner scene. Oh, oh, when he's saying that, oh, why do you think I, uh, when he was talking to her about the, the suits? Well, we don't know why he became a thief in general, That's but cool. we know why he became a high class thief because of his time in prison. Oh, okay. Now, well, that, 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 I meant the thief in general, but. Okay, well, it, it's assumed because he was raised in a state organization and there was probably some form of child abuse because mm-hmm. he kind of, he, not kind of, he says when he goes to the adoption agency that I was raised by one of these organizations. Right, right, right. And you guys are horrible for kids. Yeah. Okay. So they don't say every single detail, but there's enough said in the movie to where we can kind of put the pieces together. Okay. But keep going down your track. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he got in way too deep and had to figure out, well, what, what do I do? What can I do that I know that I can do well to diffuse a situation and make sure that I get out of life? Mm-hmm. I have to blow up my car lot. I have to blow up my house. I have to tell my wife and child to go away and never come back. We're assuming that they never come back or they never reunite. That's my assumption. Yeah. They never, they never live with him again. Yes. Um, and, and they start a, a better life for, for themselves. Hopefully a better Hopefully. Life. Anyway. Um, so it, he just teaches us that you, you know, you get way, you get in way too deep and it's hard to get out of it. Hard to get out of the business. Interesting. It's hard to get out of the business. Um, it's hard to try to get out of the business alive, but if you can, then you can. What does his boss teach us about how the pursuit of power can ruin your life? Oh, quite a bit. I mean, we are, of course, um, assuming that this guy is a mob boss. Yes, but even if he's not a mob boss, he he has connections and he's done stuff. Right. But yeah, right. Th- that would be my assumption. Yeah, the per- the pursuit of power in this case has definitely ruined his life mm-hmm. because he's like, well, you owe me everything. I own you. I own you. I, you know, you you have no control over your life now. I I pretty much own you, and now you owe me everything if you want to get out of it mm-hmm. alive. So. In some ways, I'm kind of understanding why he felt like he had to kill the boss. Because you have to eliminate. He wanted to eliminate his that one problem that's in his life that needs to go in order for him to move on. Where is Frank? Not that I'm condoning murdering people. Yes. But, you just interrupted me. Where, where is Frank, James Conn character today? Is he alive? Is he dead? What I think it, I think it isn't. I think he's, he's, um, it isn't. Long before he's um, not long for this world. Really? Yeah. Mm. I think he's pretty much done for. Nice. 
if he hasn't killed himself, then somebody would kill him. Do you have any questions about this movie for me? What ha- What do you think happens to um, his wife and the baby? I have no idea. Uh, they have $400,000, give or take, mm-hmm. in the 1980s, early 1980s. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that she goes, buys a house, and takes care of the kid, or... You know, puts the kid up for adoption. I, I, had, I just don't know. What or, do you think? Or maybe she puts it in a trust fund for the child mm. and uses it for, um, for uh, whatever she can to keep keep them afloat. But she also gets another job. That's possible. And maybe she marries somebody else. I hope not, because she does not have the best choice. In no, she's not stable. Maybe no. she just decides that she's going to raise that little boy on her own. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, wait until he's to take him to a park and then, like, let him go and then she'll move to another city. I don't know. Let him go? Yes. Wow. Just let him wander the park and leave. I, I don't know what like happened. Like what somebody this. did with their dog. We're not going to say We're that. not going to say who. Yes. I thought that was terrible. That was terrible. That was also oh. back in the 90s. Terrible. And that was not me. No. That was not you. I don't think you would do that. I would not do that. I think you, I think you like dogs too much. Yes. In any event, babes, are there any <laughs> other things about this movie that you want to say or ask about? Um, what about the cops? What about them? Uh, remember that cop that um, confronts James Conn? Yeah. Says, well, why couldn't you just get a job for a living? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to come after a guy like yourself? Or whatever he said. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, do they ever find out about what uh, Frank does? I don't think that they put it together that it's Frank. Like I said earlier, I think they think that it's this organized crime unit that had him killed. And they go over the, they have to go uh, after the unit now because a house and business were just destroyed. So it's not one of those things where you can find one or two bodies and just kind of cover it up. Now an investigation has to start. Mm-hmm. And it eventually takes down this crime organization. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. I don't think, but correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I, I doubt that you would recommend this movie to anybody. No, I mean, I don't know who I would recommend it to, honestly. I have a couple of people in my life that I think would like it. I enjoyed it. I don't think I'd watch it again, but yeah, I feel good about the fact that I did. Okay. See it at least once yeah. because it's a film that I've heard about for a very long time. Okay. Yes, and it's also a directorial debut for Michael Mann. Oh, Michael Mann. Yes. Okay. Okay. You're like, okay, what do you have? No, I'm just no. Okay. You're putting words in my mouth. Okay. All right, babes. We watched another movie that I found hard to believe. And I thought, I think you're playing into it. There, so I didn't. I forgot that this movie came out in 1981, and I think both movies came out in 1981. Yes, kind of funny. Thief came out in March, and The Fox and the Hound came out in July. Yeah. So it's been several years since I've seen this movie. I grew up watching it. I enjoyed it. Uh, so we start off where this uh, this is at a farm. And, um, there's a little fox that has been roaming around. It's a a baby fox, a foundling, I think it's called. 
and uh, uh, there's an owl named Big Mama. And she's kind of, she kind of reminds me of like a, the matriarch of the farm. She was not voiced by Shanene, just so She you know. was voiced by uh, Pearl. Shanene. Oh my goodness. Sorry, go ahead. I thought it was kind of a funny scene. Um, <laughs> no, she was, she wasn't voiced by Martin Lawrence, but she was voiced by the late um, Pearl Bailey, which I don't know much about, but she was in, uh, she was a singer in her day. Mm. I think she might have acted too. So she was a voice of Big Mama, and she was watching uh, this little fox roam around, and she's like, oh, we're going to have to find someone to look after you. And somehow, this little fox is spotted by an old lady, an older lady. And she takes him in, and she's lonesome, so she doesn't have anyone she's living with. And she says, oh, you're, you're, you remind me of a little toddler. And she says, I know what, I'll call you Todd. So, meanwhile, there's a hound dog who, um, I'm, uh, I'm guessing, I don't know how the farmer found him. Do you remember how he found him? I don't think it's said. It's not said, but, but he says, okay, chief, and chief is a bigger dog. He's a bigger hunt, hunting dog. He says, now you got to look after this little guy. This is your responsibility. So... So, uh, the old lady is, the old lady is, uh, having all these hijinks with Todd. He knocks over a, uh, a, a bucket of milk, milk while, while she's milking, uh, milking the cow, Abigail, and makes a big mess. And she's like, Oh, I can't get, I can't, I can't be angry at you. Why don't you go along and play and, and don't get into mischief? And this is when Todd becomes friends with your man. My man. Your dog. Copper. Uh, Popple. Copper. Copper, who is a little dog. He's a little dog. And they play and fight, have a couple of days of mischief. But then the owner of Copper wants to take him and uh, Big Dog Chief, Chief out hunting. Yeah, he wants to turn Copper into a little hunting dog. Mm-hmm. So... So, and then you've got the side characters, Dinky and Boomer, who are, uh, I think they're kind of supposed to be, um, we, we thought that they were supposed to be the villains, but all they want to do is catch food. By the way, I could see why I thought that, because I've never seen this movie before. Yeah, I thought they were, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Okay. okay. Well, go on, go on. Well, I mean, I saw, I hadn't seen Bugsy since I was like nine or ten, but I still knew that he died at the end. I'm just saying, babes. Anyways. What? I'm just saying you you would think that you would remember a, a big thing like that. But in any event, babes. It's been years, It's boy. been years, babes. Time goes by. Todd still thinks that he's friends with... Copper. Copper. He goes over to hang out. Copper's like... Um, oh, for the first there was a uh, part earlier in the movie where Copper got tied up, but that's not really relevant here. Yeah. And um, I, I have to mention, too, before I go on to the grown-up Todd... Because Big Mama was uh, talking to Todd, and he's like, oh, no, Copper would never do that. Copper's my best friend. He's like, oh, well, she she was very skeptical about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, you know, things change. You know, unfortunately, things things do change. And she was a, she was a very wise owl, and she was saying, you know, uh, you know, look at it differently because, you know, time will go by, and... And copper will become a hunting dog, and he might, 
he might not think that uh, you're his friend anymore because he has to hunt things. So he goes over, sees Copper, and Copper's like, "Hey, bro, we, we gotta can't, get out of here. We can't be that cool. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get out of here." But Todd decides to go around the bigger dog, Chief. Chief, when he's asleep, and he disrupts Chief. There's some mayhem. The farmer comes after him. Eventually, there's a chase. Copper lets him go, but then Chief is chasing Todd on this bridge, and a train comes. Yep. Todd is saved, but Copper is hit by a moving train. No, Chief is. Chief, Chief is hit by a moving train and falls off of this large bridge. And Copper, Copper agrees to get revenge because it would happen to Chief, who is still alive. Even though he's an old dog. And he has a busted leg. But, yeah, but, you know, he's an old dog. He was, he was very old and just got hit by a moving train and fell off of a bridge. But he, has, he does have a busted leg, so. <laughs> yeah, at least that one's true. Eventually, <laughs> Todd's owner takes him out to the woods and leaves him. And the farmer needs revenge. So he goes to kill Todd and takes his uh, hunting dog with him. Oh, uh, she, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. He, does, she does, yes. She leaves him. The farmer brings Copper. Copper. But by now, Todd has fallen in love with Sandy Duncan, who plays Vixie the Fox. Vixie the Fox. They go on run. They're almost away. Some mayhem ensues, but a big bear almost kills Copper. Copper. Oh, I thought it was copper. Not, like not, not copper. Okay. Copper. Like a couple. Uh. Todd decides to rescue uh, copper from the bear. Yep. The farmer comes up and has his gun and has been wanting to kill Todd for like a year now. Points his gun at Todd, but then copper steps between the farmer and Todd and the farmer just decides, well, since my dog stepped between them, I'm going to let you live. And he just walks away. Well, maybe it's because he realizes that copper was still friends with Todd after all these years. Keep going on babes. What else happened? Oh my goodness. So they go on. Uh, we don't know what happens to Vixie after this. No, I think she, I think she um, either dies or she gets out of there. Don't know. Um, and then, uh, and then towards the end of the movie, um, the, the old lady ends up rapping, um, the farmer whose name is Amos. I don't know what her name is, but, um, she's like, Oh, just hold still. Your, your foot will be as good as new. So I think something happened with his leg. They never explain what happened. And she's yes. wrapping his foot up in a bandage and the movie ends. And we, we probably, it's, it's possible that they're either together or they're just friends. After all this. Even though they hated each other throughout the entire movie. Yes. Um, it's not horrible. I already know what you're going to say. I'm thinking it gets a strong five. A five? He says he gave it a six. Okay, or a week six. Oh. Or a very week six. Oh. Uh, it's, mm. you know what it is, babes? It's unbelievable. And, it's, and, and, I, and my response is that it's just a cartoon and you're not supposed to believe it. Well, but here's the thing. If I don't, why am I watching something that I don't believe? 
the because goal. it's just an escape. It's just an escape. I mean, you're the only one I know that really reads into these things more than you should. Listen, I have to believe in the reality of the thing that I'm watching. But it's not real. I know it's not. It's not real. But it's there the job. No, I know it's not. It's, hold on. It's the job of the filmmakers to make me forget that it's not real for the time that I'm watching the movie. That's their job. No, their 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 job is to make you forget any real thing that's happening in your life for just a few hours or a couple or an hour or so. We disagree, babes. <sighs> that's why fifty sitcoms are not supposed to be real. You know, they're just they're just sitcoms. Well, if a movie isn't supposed to be real, then shouldn't you like Thief more than you did? No, because. Even if you didn't believe in it, it didn't, well, the point is yeah, that but, it's realistic. Yeah, but Bubs, Bubs, I mean, there were, there were, I just didn't get the storyline. That's, that's what it was. But you don't have to get a storyline. You're not supposed to. It doesn't have, it have to have any consistency in it because yeah. it's not real. But this is a cartoon. Okay. Yeah. This is a, this is an animated movie. It's different than actual adult themed movies. But it doesn't make sense in the reality that it's based. So you have your old dog chief who gets hit by a moving train and falls off of a bridge, and the only thing that happens is he breaks a leg. And you have the farmer who is completely fine and ends up being bandaged at the end of the movie by an adversary, and now it's implied that they might be together. You have the farmer who is trying to kill Todd for over a year, and then when he finally can, he just decides to turn away and let him go. Well, instead of focusing on that, why don't we focus on the story... What what the story was trying to teach. What was it trying to teach us? It's trying to teach us that sometimes, unfortunately, friendships change. Mm. But it's possible that Copper and Todd's friendship didn't change after all that. Well, it's possible that it didn't end. It didn't end, I mean. Yeah. Yes. That Copper really did still uh, love Todd. Mm. And that Todd always loved Copper. Which one of them do you believe dies first? I think Copper may may die first. I don't know. How does Todd take this? Uh, I think he takes it pretty sad, mm. pretty pretty upset because you you remember when he was when they were kids, he was says we'll always be friends forever. Yes, playing with my eel. I know. Yes, it's making some background noise, but that's okay. Is it? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, does the farmer and the old lady, do they get married or what happens with them? I don't know. Maybe they just decide to live on the same farm as neighbors and never, you know, they're just friends, but they, nothing ever happens with them. Do you think that the farmer is a good person who's done some bad things or is he a villain? Um... I think he's a villain when it comes to uh, Todd because he isn't willing to understand what Todd was really doing because he doesn't realize that Todd and Copper were friends. Mm. That's what I think. He's, he's very, he misunderstands, he, he is very, he doesn't understand the situation. Nice. And he just thinks that, well, if you're in my farm, then you, I should shoot you because I'm a hunter. Nice. I'm a farmer, and I hunt, and I should shoot you if you're on my property. That I mean, I mean, he, he probably thought that Todd was trying to trespass, and 
and ruin all of whatever he has. Do you think that the farmer becomes friends with Todd? That I don't know. Maybe he does. Hmm. Maybe he realized after Copper is in between him and Todd that they're going to be friends no matter what they do. So he, I might as well just uh, get to know Todd. Wow. Because he's going to come around a lot. That's how I see it. Is there anything else about this movie that you want to ask? What do you think uh, Big Mama represents? She is clearly the person or the creature watching over the farm and making sure that the animals stay in line, but that everybody is relatively safe. That was my take. I liked her. Yeah. She was a matriarch. She was good. Yes. Yes. Uh, And I'm assuming you would recommend this movie to people. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I would not. It was... Well, Bob, that's your opinion. Okay, but I'm showing my opinion, okay? Oh. No, but keep going, babes. But I liked her. I thought she, I thought Pearl Bailey did a good voiceover for Big Mama. Yeah, she was good in this movie. Yes. Is there anything else we want to say? Um, what did you think about Dinky and Boomer? They're okay. Yeah. They're I, good comic relief. I, I thought, thought they were going to be funny. the villains, but I'm glad that they weren't. I, I, we were just talking uh, about, we were just talking about Paul Winchell. Yep. Because Paul Winchell, uh, voiced, uh, Boomer and he also voiced, um, he also voiced Tigger. Uh, in the Winnie the Pooh movies, or the Winnie the, the Winnie the Pooh, uh, cartoons and movies. And he also, uh, he also voiced, uh, Gargamel and the Smurfs. Nice. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. But yes. I know it now. Yes. Actually, I think he told me that yesterday. Yes. Yes. He's very, he was a very good voice actor. Well, good. And even when he was laughing as Boomer, he reminded me of Tigger. Nice. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this movie? Nope. Okay. It's around. You can see it if you want. I recommend it. I give it a mild thumbs down for me. Oh. So maybe I would give it in, in the five reigns. No. Okay. I'll give it a six, even though that's more than halfway to ten. But somehow it's still mild thumbs down. Mm. Thumbs down for me. Oh, good. Yes, yes. J-Lo. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss? Oh, well, I had a dream. We should talk about our dreams. Tell me about your dream. So it was one of, the, again, those dreams where... It was mingled into what I was listening to on the radio. There was a guy on the radio named uh, Dr. Michael Pincus who uh, was talking about this form of of getting more vitamin C into your diet because Mm -hmm. that's because vitamin C um, uh, helps fight against uh, flus and colds. And it was weird because I was in my dream and I was walking with these these people. And the two men on the radio that were talking were right next to me. And I, for some reason, I lost my shoes. Oh, my goodness. And I was barefoot. And I'm like, where are my shoes? Did they come off while I was walking? It was very weird. I found them. And then I woke up. Nice. Yeah. While you were dreaming, I watched an unseen episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. In your dream. In my dream. So some, it's really weird. Sometimes I'll have dreams and I'll watch like a TV, sh- an episode of a TV show that I've never seen before. And that's never happened to me. Yeah. And, and don't ask me why it happens to me, but it's, it just does. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you what happened in this episode of Deep Space Nine. And I don't remember over it. So all of it. So this is going to be like a weird recap. I'm mm-hmm. sure there was a B story, but don't ask me about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this episode, the Bajoran people led by Kai Wynn, have asked the Federation to leave Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. 
And they said, you know, we know that you've been our allies, but we don't need you anymore. We're going to give you a couple of days to evacuate the station. And nobody really wants them to leave except for Kai Wynn, but she sort of represents the government. Mm-hmm. There is also this planet that has resources that is in in the Gamma Quadrant. Is it the Gamma Quadrant that the wormhole goes to? I think so. I think so, yes. That uh, the Bajoran people are about to take hold of and take all the resources. So Cisco thinks that he has to stop it because the Federation doesn't want this to happen. Nobody on the station thinks this is a good idea, not even Major Kira. But what can he do? He can't go against the government and just mm-hmm. make an enemy out of Bajor. He decides to take the Defiance into the wormhole mm-hmm. and go to the planet where Kai Wynn is going to uh, rip resources from. Mm-hmm. Goes there and is still not quite sure what he's going to do. But when he's in the wormhole, he asks the prophets for guidance. Mm-hmm. Goes to the planet, a little bit ahead of them. Kai Wynn comes with like 70 ships. And he says, okay, I'm going to take a runabout. Chief O'Brien, you're in command. Don't fire on them. Even if they fire on you, the only exception being is if you think the ship is really in danger, then you can fire back. He leaves and he opens two-way communication between the mm-hmm. Defiant and the bridge of the ship that Kaiwin is on. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm the emissary and the prophets have told me that you don't know what you're talking about, basically, and you have to reverse this order. We're not leaving Deep Space Nine and you have to tell the people that that's cool with you. Mm-hmm. She says, I, basically, you're joking. This can't be true. He starts quoting some poets from Bajor's past and some spiritual leaders. She's still not convinced. And then he starts doing what I'm assuming is speaking in tongues, but the Bajoran version of it, mm-hmm. where he's t- saying this in this old ancient language, mm-hmm. and he's quoting somebody who's a spiritual higher up, that, but is mm-hmm. not really known by the general public. And by doing that, he gets... Kai went to back off, goes back onto the Defiance. Mm-hmm. And we have the closing scene where they're headed towards the wormhole. Cisco's hanging out and mm-hmm. um, Chief O'Brien comes to talk to him and he's like, Commander, or Captain, uh, good job with that. That's great. Everything's going to be fine. We're about 20 minutes away from home. And how did you get them to back off? Where did you come up with that, that idea? Cisco looks at him and says, you do magic tricks for your daughter. Where do you come up with those? Mm-hmm. O'Brien replies with, well, I just look at old, uh, you know, magicians from the 20th century from our past and I steal their techniques. And he says, that's what I did with the prophets in the wormhole. Mm. And the episode ends and I wake up. Wow. And he hurts, I heard snoring. Now, normally, oh no! After, I didn't mention that. Normally, after a DS9 episode, at least what we used to do is character analysis. But I think since this isn't really canon in Star Trek, mm-hmm. we might want to avoid that this time. But what did you think of that episode that uh, you didn't see? <laughs> I don't know what to think of it. It's weird. Mm. Well, the whole the whole tongues thing and um, uh, is weird too. Yes. Um, and I have my own opinions about the whole speaking in tongues, which we won't get into today. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. I wish I could show you that episode, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe you should pitch it to uh, Avery Brooks. <laughs> I don't know. What would you call the episode? I, I don't even know. I don't remember the title of it in my dream. 
Um, maybe you should call it magic tricks. Maybe. Yeah. The magic of Bajor. The magic of Bajor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Should we do character analysis or no? No, Bob. Of <laughs> <laughs> something I never saw. I wasn't in your dream, Bob. Well, fair enough. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. When I would have dreams about shows, it would be different. It would be that I was um, friends with the characters on the show and I ended up staying with them or being I've, a part of their life. I've had dreams like that, but last night's dream was I was just watching this on TV by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've had many a dream of different shows and um, it was either that I was having dinner with these people or breakfast or I stayed with them. Yeah, I've uh, definitely had dreams like that. Or uh, I was somehow a part of their lives. Mm. Yeah, but it never like, oh, I I dreamed up a really weird episode. Yes. It was very strange. Thank you, babes. Yeah. I had a dream talking about uh, dreaming about shows. I had a dream that um, I was in the the place where the facts of life was. Um, in the... Uh, um, in the uh, where the where the uh, earlier episodes were, because in the episodes they were staying, the, these girls were staying at a dorm, uh, at a girls' school, at an all-girls school, and um, it was in my dream. It was like I was at my old townhouse, but there were rooms that were made for other people to stay in, and it was like in the back of the house. But that was where the lanai used to be. Nice. And they made rooms out of that lanai. Oh, good. Yeah, so they took that lanai and then they just made them into uh, made it into rooms. It was very strange. Nice, babes. Yeah, I don't know. It was very weird. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss? No. No. All right. Uh, well, that's it for now. Ooh. Oh. Oh. My tummy that was like, Well, and since you've listened to this, you don't have to watch the Fox and the Hammer thing. What? No. Watch sleep, I guess. No, and watch a fox in the hand if you don't want to think of anything. Yes. <laughs> of anything. Hey. Yes. Hey. I would suggest meditation, but... Oh. 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 I hear quail. All right. Well, what if? Quail that you won't heal commentary from your boyfriend or husband. Oh, my goodness. Anyways. Oh. Unless you have anything else to say, babes? No. I think we should make out for a while and then do some reading. Uh, Yes. Yes. All right, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.